Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Stein and Angus. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 178. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Mark Derricket. Welcome along, Mark. Uh, good to good to have you on the podcast again. Uh, good to be back again, yeah. It's been a while. It has been. It has been. Now, uh, for those who uh, who don't recall where you fit into the, the technology world, uh, you're a podcaster, amongst other things. But uh, what else can you tell us about yourself? Uh, software developer for SMX New Zealand. Um, we do hosted email and anti-spam. Um, also do the Illegal Argument uh, JVM Java development podcast and the odd open source things here and there. Excellent. Well, uh, great to have you back. Now, let's dive in. We've got a few sort of quick news bites to uh, to start with. Uh, Mako Networks, it's been announced, have uh, have done a deal with Telstra in Australia. Now, they're uh, uh, an Auckland-based... Uh, how would you describe them? They're, it's a um, network intrusion, I believe, isn't it? They have their, their network boxes that go on-premise that do the monitoring of data traffic coming into the network and doing live scanning on people trying to attack you, I believe. Yeah, so they do a a Linux-based ADSL uh, firewall, also can be used with ultra-fast broadband and so on. Uh, Last year, of course, they they announced a uh, a, a deal in the the US that, uh, I think, with Sprint, uh, that was was a really big deal for them. And, uh, yeah, now they've just signed this uh, this deal with, with Telstra. Uh, in New Zealand, they've got custom, Telecom's been one of their customers for uh, for quite some time. Uh, they've got some quite unique features uh, with with their product. And I think they were uh, the first, or certainly, yeah, I think they were the first uh, firewall uh, provider to uh, to get certified um, for the um, the payment card industry. Data Security Standard or PCI DSS, uh, so that that's certainly been a, a big thing for them. So uh, very helpful for those who have got uh, FPOS terminals and, and so on that uh, are connected to an internet connection. Yep. Um, so yeah, some definitely some good stuff that they're doing. So uh, great to see them continuing their uh, their global expansion. Yeah, they're definitely one of uh, New Zealand's probably well-known um, export companies in the IT tech sector. Yep. Now uh, another story. Now not quite so quite so close to home, uh, but Microsoft. Uh, there's been a bit of uh, news leaking over the over the last few days around them releasing a, a smaller version of their uh, their Surface tablet. Now, there have been a few bits and pieces going on for a while, and, of course, we had uh, uh, Nathan Mercer on the podcast recently who was you know, alluding to the fact that there might be some other things coming uh, in that in that Surface uh, product range. And there's, there are now a few uh, rumours floating around about what uh, what that may consist of. Uh, but the, uh, the most... The most uh, current of those is that there will be a Surface uh, Mini, something in the seven to eight inch form factor, or maybe both form factors, uh, launching around sort of mid to late May. So that fills in sort of another gap that uh, the Microsoft haven't covered with their their own hardware, and uh, certainly some some uh, things floating around around uh, other form factors and so on coming through as well. So. Do you think we'll see like a, a Surface phone at any point? Like take it down to even a bit smaller size and just actually unify that whole ecosystem of applications and the OS and 
Yeah, well, that's an, that's an interesting question, actually, because it, it's just been over the weekend that uh, Microsoft have closed their deal with Nokia. Uh, so there there is, you know, I guess some questions around what is going to happen with the with the Microsoft uh, branding and what what we've heard from uh, Stephen Elop, who was the uh, the CEO at Nokia and now is heading uh, Microsoft's devices group. So in that new role, he not only uh, looks after what what was the Nokia handsets, uh, but a whole range of other products such as the uh, the Microsoft Surface products, I believe, as well. So. Uh, yeah, we we don't quite know what's what all of that's going to uh, look like in terms of uh, naming and and I guess there have been comments. Will they take that Surface name and bring it down to uh, smartphones and so on? Uh, that picture isn't entirely clear just yet. Yeah, with the the sale of um, Nokia, do you know if they're continuing their Android device that they recently launched? Uh, yes, they are absolutely. Yep, that's uh, that's that's been confirmed that the uh, the Nokia X. Uh, will be will definitely be uh, be be launched, and that's very very soon. I think, and, and certainly in some markets, so not far off at all. Because that's that's one device that I'm very keen to look at because I've really liked the look of the Lumia handsets, but I'm more of an Android guy than I am a Windows guy. Even though it's got the Windows 8 launcher look and feel and everything, I think that actually might be a quite a compelling device. And certainly in, in that sort of uh, price point where, where it'll be quite broadly accessible. And yeah, I think we're starting to see more and more of those, uh, those phones that are reasonably priced that are actually, you know, quite good and quite capable for, uh, you know, for most people. If you're not wanting the absolute top end camera and, you know, some of those real top end, uh, yeah, features like, for instance, the, the infrared remote that you get on, on some of the higher end Androids. Uh, you know, if if there are a few things you can cope without, then there's some really good uh, good value handsets. And yeah, certainly Nokia's uh, you know, got a number of players in that space. Yeah, and I guess a, a new player in the area, which has been coming for a while, I see that Amazon have announced their new phone that they're working on, and I believe they're going to be doing um, something that they're calling it Prime Data. So it's taking Amazon Prime branding, and it's some kind of free data plan. That's giving you local free content to watch all the Amazon content, similar to how the WhisperNet on the Kindles is free in air quotes. Yeah, there's certainly so, been some rumours <clears throat> floating around on that. I don't think Amazon have uh, have really confirmed anything uh, at this stage. They have that. It's, it's all certainly uh, still sort of rumour mill type uh, right. type. Type stuff. Uh, I mean, m- much as I guess the uh, the things that we've heard about a surface next month are uh, as well to some degree. So, yeah, I think that'll be fascinating to see. I would say initially there there will probably be a pretty big focus around the U.S. market. Uh, you know, before we see something like that land land in New Zealand. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the uh, bundled 3G service uh, services that they have. With the Kindle are, you know, are available pretty broadly on an international basis. So, hey, anything is, uh, anything's possible, right? Yeah. I mean, um, just thinking about things that don't, ne- won't necessarily come down here. Um, you've got Hulu and Netflix, which I understand, uh, this week, um, Hulu started blocking VPN users. 
Yeah, that, I guess we, you know, there's always that risk that those that are, uh, those of us that are accessing these services through uh, VPNs and proxies will at some stage have our service uh, blocked. And yeah, I mean they are specifically targeting the US market primarily. I'm I'm always unsure when I hear those those rumours on exactly what the causes are and whether it is actually a deliberate blocking, uh, because the biggest player in the market. Uh, other other than uh, Netflix, certainly the biggest one globally would be Apple with their uh, iTunes, and uh, you know you can buy without any sort of uh, major hoops to jump through, other than setting up a US account with a with a well, you don't even necessarily need a US credit card, uh, a US iTunes account. As soon as you've done that, you can. Uh, Buy movie content and so on from anywhere in the world, regardless of whether it's released in that country. Uh, so when a player as as big as Apple is yep. is so mm. relaxed about it, and and even more so than the likes of of Hulu and Netflix and, and Amazon, uh, you know I can't see that there's too much pressure on the others to uh, uh, to close any any loopholes. But hey. Anything is possible. So it's, it's, apparently, it's been causing quite a bit of a hoopla in the US as well, because a lot of ISPs that are doing transparent web proxies are being pulled into this VPN block that they've put up. So legitimate users can also no longer see the content that they're paying for. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, so that's it's certainly sound- a concern. So and whether whether that's actually going to be a, a decision that's going to be reversed soon or. Uh, <laughs> I think it will be interesting to watch how this plays out. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that is, that is interesting. And uh, in fact, the story that uh, that you shared with me earlier uh, on infirst.com uh, that actually did show a screenshot, didn't it? That uh, specifically was referring to, to, to and being blocked for uh, using uh, going through a, a a proxy. So, yeah. Hey, hey, maybe these things are. Um, uh, more real than what I would like to think, so I guess we have to sit and wait on that. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that that sort of uh, blocking go go goes away. And I would have thought from for the likes of uh, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, and so on, uh, for them there's not a whole lot of advantage in doing the blocking because all it does is takes dollars out of their pockets and out of the pockets of the uh, you know the rights holders that are uh, uh, also getting paid. But hey. Yeah, I, I guess uh, it's we'll possibly coming. I guess it's probably coming down from the rights holders themselves, saying you need to block this because we want to sell it to Vodafone or to Sky New Zealand, and well, they're not going to pay for it if they can get it here. So whether there's some kind of other pushback from their providers. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's certainly possible in, in some cases. I'm uh, I'm sure. Uh, now, other uh, other news: uh, Telecom have uh, have kicked off with offering uh, flat rate internet again. Are uh, you a giganier? Which, which which they have done in the past. Are you a giganier? A giganier. What does that term mean? I I saw this advert playing what was at the gym the other night and. It looked terrible, and I, there was no audio. And then I was watching something on YouTube, and I saw the ad come up again. And it's, it's a one of these telecom new ads about their flat rates, about having as many gigs as you can have. And it's a rap song about being a giganier. Oh, and it's, fascinating! It's, it is cheesy. It is. Oh, I'm. 
I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that, I guess they're, uh, they're, they're trying to, uh, uh, put something out there that's memorable. Sometimes these jingles aren't particularly nice, but, uh, in this case you've remembered it anyway. Maybe not for the right reasons, but, yep. uh, but hey. So in terms of these new plans, uh, if you look at Telecom's uh, ADSL, and their, their, their other plans, uh, right at the, uh, and we're talking about residential plans here, by the way. I'm not, I'm not sure of anything that's, uh, that's available at the business market yet. Uh, but at the top end where they had, uh, bigger, uh, plans in the past, I think, uh, you know, 500 gig plans and, and the like, uh, that's where we've seen a change. So in terms of their ADSL plans that you can get from, uh, from telecom, uh, they've got a, they start with a 40 gig plan for $75 a month. And then at the, uh, at the top end is now a, uh, this unlimited ADSL plan for $109 a month. So it's certainly not the cheapest of the unlimited plans, uh, in the market. Uh, then on VDSL, it's another $10. It's a hundred and, uh, $119 for their, uh, unlimited uh, VDSL plan, so those that are in a VDSL uh, zone will be able to uh, jump onto that one. And then they've got uh, UFB plans, and I think it starts, it's $109 for their uh, 30 megabits or 30 slash 10 ultra-fast broadband uh, unlimited fiber plan. And if you go on to their, uh, their top one, their 100 megabits, uh, I'm seeing that on their website listed at, uh, $139 a month. So, uh, yeah. Is, is that including the, the phone plan or is that uh, naked or? I think that includes a, uh, I think that includes a phone, uh, that includes a home phone as well in that, in that pricing. That's not too bad pricing then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, I think it's good to see more of these and, uh, you know, the, the competition and, and so on that we've had from some of the other players in the market sort of stirring up around unlimited, I'm sure, has increased, uh, demand. And then, of course, you've got, uh, Big Pipe, which is, uh, Telecom, uh, a little offshoot of, of, of Telecom, uh, and, uh, they've been offering some unlimited plans, so I'm not sure, uh, you know, where that tie-in is, whether that's come from the tests that they've done with Big Pipe or uh, whether just independently they've decided that they need to make this available uh, broadly for all customers. But I, I think having uh, more flat rate plans is a good thing. Uh, of course, there are always a few uh, a few gotchas with these flat rate plans and there'll be some types of traffic that they uh, potentially will slow down to ensure a generally consistent uh, result for customers. So, I would say, uh, you don't know, use VPNs. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be a little while before, uh, you know, we know exactly, yep. you know, what services mm-hmm. maybe get impacted with this and worth watching some of the online, uh, discussions and so on. Definitely, you know, keep a watch on the threads on GeekZone if you're really interested in, in working out who's got the best unlimited plans. Now, uh, a camera that uh, Samsung launched last year was the uh, Galaxy 
S4 Zoom, which was a, a variation on the, um, the, the Galaxy S4, uh, but with a big chunky, uh, uh, camera with a zoom lens attached to it, and the, the concept was was quite cool. It was, I think their uh, this their sort of second go round on this this type of product. Uh, they've had another go, or they're just in the process of launching it. Uh, and uh, this time round, it's called the Galaxy K Zoom, uh, and it, and it shares some similarities with the Galaxy S S5, although you know it's not exactly an S5. Uh, with a zoom lens attached, but uh, yeah, it looks pretty cool from the uh, the bits and pieces I've I've had a look at, at uh, online. And uh, I believe it's a twenty megapixel camera. Yeah, twenty megapixel camera. Uh, you're talking about a three um, G and four G uh, handset, four point eight inch screen, uh, but a lower resolution, a seven twenty p screen, so lower resolution than in the uh, uh, Galaxy S4 and, and S5. Um, a fairly, uh, basic 8 gigs of internal storage, but, you know, of course you can put a, a, uh, a memory card inside in there as well. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, these types of phones are, uh, are good. They'll, they'll definitely sort of serve a little bit of a niche audience, but it's great having those other options. Uh, particularly, you know, there haven't been so many options on the Android uh, platform in terms of the really high resolution uh, phones. Of course, Windows phones got the uh, the, the uh, 38 megapixel, 40 megapixel uh, camera available or smartphone available from uh, Nokia and, and also a, a 20 megapixel. Um, so yeah, that, but that's quite a different approach uh, because this um, one actually has a physical uh, zoom that can stick right out of the, the, uh, the phone. Yeah, the Microsoft one doesn't actually save a 20 megapixel or a 40 megapixel image, though, does it? It takes uses that sensor to save a smaller image, but to provide more zoom and more quality, I believe. Uh, I think what or you have find is uh, no, you can't. You get a a 38 megapixel um, a 38 megapixel image out of the uh, the Lumia 1020. Oh, so, nice. uh, yeah, yeah, so it, it can do that. It saves a lower resolution one as well. Uh, but, but yeah, you get, basically get both resolutions. And, uh, it's that, I mean, that's a pretty awesome, uh, camera from a, a zoom perspective and, and, and so on because you've got such a, a resolution to, uh, uh, to play with. So yeah, very, very cool. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm, I assume they're actually kind of targeting these as, um, your, Use the camera to take your photos and your videos, and then you'll just stream that to your new TV that you're also going to buy from Samsung and and that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it's all part of the story, isn't it? All these things sort of starting to uh, starting to tie together, and you know, you got the 4K video that the uh, the Galaxy S5 and other uh, smartphones are starting to do as well. So that uh, that all ties in nicely with uh, yeah, obviously with the, the 4K TVs that are uh, that are starting to come out. Now, um, talking of of TVs, uh, um, just in the last uh, last uh, couple of weeks, LG have uh, have announced their uh, their new TVs into the the New Zealand uh, market. Uh, for for 2014 and some some interesting bits and pieces in there. Uh, the I guess the bits that that stood out. I mean, we knew they were they were uh, going ahead and launching something. Uh, you know, 
in terms of a, a uh, new curved product into the New Zealand market, uh, and they've certainly gone ahead and, and done that. Uh, but they've also done uh, something that Samsung showed us uh, ahead of launch probably a couple of months ago, uh, Samsung took me through and showed me some of the new products they're going to be launching into the market, and one of uh, one of those, or one of the things, was uh, TVs that have got the uh, the dual tuners, so an ability to work both with a satellite-based uh, tuner, which is relevant if you're outside of of uh, you know a lot of the the bigger. Uh, suburban areas, uh, pretty much anywhere you can use that to get your free view signal, as well as working with the uh, traditional aerial. So uh, that's something that, that Samsung have uh, are bundling in with these, uh, and they've also got you know the Mac Daddy, uh, which is a 77 inch curve OLED uh, TV, which is what they launched at uh, the Sky Tower a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, absolutely gorgeous uh, TV, very very cool. Um, I don't think they've confirmed the uh, the dollars on it at the moment, but uh, it's going it's, it's it's to be big bucks. Yeah, it's, it's my birthday coming up soon, uh, Paul, so uh, I'll, I'll just put that down on my wish list. All right, all right. Well, yeah. uh, I'll... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what I could organise on that one, actually. Um, but, we, we, hey, I'm in the queue, too. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, I mean, a bunch, bunch of other things uh, there as well is uh, they've now started with uh, incorporating the, the WebOS operating system, which uh, they bought off uh, off HP. So they're incorporating uh, that through into their smart TVs. It looks uh, looks pretty good. Looks to do some nice uh, nice stuff. Um, and and yeah, it gives a, I guess a bit of a better experience than uh, than some of the other. Uh, software pieces that we've seen on top of smart TV seems to be reasonably smooth. Um, the other thing that they're, they're doing, and uh, again, you know, Samsung are playing a similar game, is they're allowing you to uh, record, fr- you know, off Freeview uh, to an external drive attached to to the TV. Um, there is actually a little bit of built-in storage. Uh, but not enough to, you know, to, to achieve a whole lot. So, you know, you really need to plug in, uh, probably a USB hard drive and that turns your TV into a, into a digital video recorder, uh, which, which is quite nice for catching that broadcast stuff without having to have a separate, uh, set top box. Do you know if that's in a, any kind of open format that you could then take that hard drive and use in a computer to then Say, pull that into, say, Final Cut Pro and do some editing? Uh, there's usually sort of restrictions around that yeah. from, from a copyright perspective and so on, but, uh, yeah, not something that I've actually had, had a look at or asked about, uh, this time around, but it, it is a good question because there are, yeah, there's often bits and pieces on TV that you would like to capture and do something with, so it's, it's definitely worth, uh, worth finding out. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try and investigate that one. Cool, that's interesting. So, um, have you used any of the new taxi stuff that's com- been coming out lately, like uh, Uber and Zoomy? Good question. Yeah, that was uh, one of the things I was keen to chat about. Um, yeah, so we've got Uber, and I think I chatted about that a few weeks ago, and then uh, um, I thought we'd better investigate Zoomy. Now, for those that don't know, um, Uber is a San Francisco-based company that started offering services ooh, maybe four years ago, 
I'm not not sure if you if you're sure on that, Mark. But I th- I think in that sort of range, they've been around for a, for they've a few around, years now. Yeah, they've been around for a while, but they've only really been public, at least down here, um, for like the last year or so that I've heard them being talked about. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, it's really been in the last year they've picked up a huge amount of, uh, attention. And, and what they are, I guess, is they're sort of the next, next generation in, uh, in taxi company. And they've sort of taken a fresh approach to, uh, you know, hiring a, a driver in a vehicle to, uh, to come and, come and pick you up for, for a ride. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's quite different from the usual, you know, uh, flag down a cab, you know, uh, book a cab over the phone, that, that sort of thing. Um, you know, first of all, it's all based around an app that knows where you are, knows where all their vehicles are on the road. And, uh, you book through the app, you know who's gonna come and pick you up, where and when, etc. Uh, you've got a handle on what the journey's likely to cost you. Uh, it's cashless, so you don't need to pay the driver as you leave the vehicle. That comes off your, uh, off your credit card or off your account automatically. Uh, they've got some sort of capability, uh, I think, I'm not sure if this is relevant to New Zealand yet, but some sort of capability for splitting fares. Uh, and then you've got that, that, you know, whole thing that you get with, uh, TradeMe and so many other services where you can rate those people that are involved. So you can rate the driver and say this driver is good or bad. Uh, you know, if you're not happy with the, you know, the journey that he takes you on, uh, you don't have to sit there swearing about it. You can actually pass some feedback. Uh, back to them if if you know if you think that he took you on a wild goose chase, and in fact you get an email afterwards which shows you the exact route that you've uh, you've been on. You've you've used this uh, yep. Uber service at least a couple of times, haven't you, Mark? I, I have, and I was just going to point out that um, they also get to rate you as a customer. That's true. Yeah, it's good, isn't so it? So it's so it's a bit of a they get to know, and their other drivers know that. Okay, this guy he's a little bit whiny. He's a really irritating customer, so just don't pick him up. Or be careful. So it te- teaches the uh, passengers to be nice too, right? Yeah. I mean, I've used it twice so far, and I'm not really a taxi person because I usually drive to work and I don't really go to client sites, but I had need to use it twice um, recently um, when I was going to the Codemania developer conference in town. And one of them, I booked the taxi, and I could see where he was driving, and I was, I was standing on the other side of the road. So it was like I could, I knew, oh, I'll cross the road and meet him on the other side where he's going to see me. Yep, so you can see exactly where, and if it's raining, you can stay inside until they turn up and, yeah, and you know, all that sort of thing. So you get like um, all the information, you get a photo of the driver, you get their license plate, so you can see the car as it's coming up and, go, and knowing, right, that's my driver. Yeah, yeah. And he also sees your photo, so he knows who you are and all that kind of stuff. And it was actually a really well-orchestrated process, and... One of the guys I was talking to, I actually asked him how Uber was working for him, and he was saying that they, he and his other taxi people that he that he knows, all decided to go 100% Uber. They're no longer taking any fares from anyone else, from their from their normal pickups. They're just doing Uber purely. Wow! And even though they were losing a little bit of money in the short term. They had seen the long-term growth that they were going to get better service because they're not having to sit around for like 45 minutes at the airport or waiting for a potential fare. They're going to a fare right now, so they're not wasting gas, they're not wasting time, 
And so in, in the, the long haul, he was seeing the benefits and thinking on that long haul and going, yeah, this is actually going to work out better for us. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, now, the other service which has a lot of uh, similarities is, uh, is Zuby. Now, they, they launched uh, last year in New Zealand, and they're, they're available in at least Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch now. And they're a New Zealand company, I believe? Yeah, so they're a New Zealand company. They seem to have sort of very much followed in the footsteps of Uber, so uh, there are a lot of similarities in their app to what Uber does. But the, the thing that they do differently is they work with the existing taxi companies, so they don't have to have any of their own cars or their own drivers, but they've got to basically convince existing drivers for existing companies to uh, to come on board and they've partnered up with you know with a range of uh of cabs or cab companies at different levels from uh, budget to uh, uh mid price to your sort of high end corporate cabs and uh yeah seems seems to be a good approach now the the thing i appreciated about zoomy was they give you at the moment anyway a broader range of uh, taxis and of course Uber is really just in this what they call Uber secret mode in Auckland uh, at the moment. So they haven't done a full broad public launch, although uh, they, they've got an event on Friday which sort of tends to suggest they're going to announce details on that very uh, very soon. Um, so yeah, Uber probably doesn't have as many choices, and the, and we don't know whether they will have more choices. Uh, they certainly don't have a lot of cars on the road at the moment. Uh, Zoomy, yeah, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch. Um, one thing I noticed with Zoomy is uh, you've got an extra fee you pay for using your credit card, uh, which was two dollars. Whereas with Uber, that's really the only way you pay unless you've got some credit on your uh, on your account. Uh, so that that was interesting. Uh, one thing I did find with Zoomy is with their lower priced option, the sort of more budget taxi. When I tried to use it in Auckland, there actually weren't any cars available. Um, that said. Uber has often been in a similar boat if I look at their app, particularly at a strange uh, strange time of day, uh, because they just don't have as many drivers uh, at the moment. Um, I guess the main uh, big difference I found between the two, uh, or two big differences, one I found, and this is probably the number of vehicles, Zoomy gave me a quicker sort of response in terms of when somebody picked me up. Uh, but Uber tended to give much better prices, so um, yeah, we're certainly worth with uh, you know considering. I would pick those things will probably come a bit closer uh, over time, but yeah, at the moment, uh, yeah, they're 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 both worth looking at, um, and particularly if you're outside of Auckland, then uh, then it's going to be Zuby. Yeah, I think I must have actually got a a, a good time because the I've used it. I've used Uber three times now, and I think the maximum time that I had to wait for a car was about a minute and a half. That's good going. And if you're in the city, it's not too much of a problem, but if you're catching it from a residential address that's not in the city, that's what centres take take longer. That was my my experience. I think, yeah, if you're in the city... And it's during a normal business day, then yeah, you won't have any problem. That's going to be yep. that's going to be very snappy. Uh, so I don't don't expect people to have too much of an issue with that. All right. Um, well, that that just about wraps us up actually for this uh, for this episode. Um, we're pretty much out of time now. Oh, there was one little one what? little uh, thing we were going to chat little, about to do with. Thing. Uh, well, yeah, probably not so little, is it? Uh, Microsoft have a bit of a drama with uh, Internet Explorer at the moment. 
I, I think it's actually more just an advertising campaign that they really want you to move off XP. Yes, well, that, 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 that could be part of it. So there's a, uh, I mean, as happens from time to time uh, across every platform, there's uh, there's been a, a, a new security flaw found in uh, Microsoft's Internet Explorer browser. Uh, I, I believe this is actually targeting all the way back from IE8 up to IE11. That's across all versions of the browser. Uh, yeah, I think back as far as uh, version six, actually, of Internet okay. Explorer. So that that means certainly anyone with Windows XP. And the issue there, of course, is that Windows XP has reached end of life, and Microsoft aren't uh, uh, aren't doing updates for it anymore. There will uh, likely be an update for uh, for Internet Explorer on all other platforms, you know, fairly quickly. And, and worst case. Uh, by what they call Patch Tuesday, which swings around once a month, and uh, that's about two weeks away. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised in this case if uh, if Microsoft push something out a little bit uh, a little bit quicker. Um, but so yeah, what, it's it's, a, it's so one, yeah. So I was going to say uh, one thing that I'm not sure on is I know that Windows XP embedded is still supported. Right. Not, so I don't know whether I mean. I'm assuming like um, FPOS terminals or um, the ATMs that might run XP embedded might actually run Internet Explorer as part of their setup. So I don't know whether they will get a new version of Internet Explorer. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, often with those embedded systems, they don't get upgraded very often anyway. But uh, yeah, that's it's a fair point. But I guess the point is for, for the reminder for everyone really is is to keep your uh, keep your browser. Uh, and keep your system as up to date as possible because you certainly don't want these, uh, uh, you know, issues uh, or these these security problems uh, leading to any sort of spyware or malware etc. getting onto your system. And uh, for the next couple, you know, few days until an update's out, you might well consider using any other browser other than Internet Explorer if you've got something, uh, if you've got something else on your system. Uh, that's not to guarantee that uh, the other browser will be uh, will be any more any, secure, any better, yes. uh, because there just is absolutely no guarantee on the on these things. Yep. All right. Well, uh, well, that's us now, uh, Mark. How do people track you uh, track you down online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Talios, T-A-L-I-O-S, um, also on Google Plus, uh, is just Mark Derricket, that wasteland of a dead, dying social network that no one apparently uses. So, so the media <laughs> reports to us, uh, and, uh, yeah. I find it way more engaging and way more useful than Twitter ever was. Well, that's interesting, and, and there are certainly some people I've noticed that are that really heavily involved in one platform or another. And uh, yeah, Google platform, Google Plus is is a platform that uh, uh, that yeah you can really get you know stuck stuck into, and yeah has its own uh, I guess has its own community that is quite different from the yeah. the Twitter or the Facebook community. I, th- I think it's it's all about who you follow and what communities you join. I mean, people will say that Twitter's a wasteland if you don't follow anyone. Very true, very yeah. true. Yeah, yep. All right, well, uh, that wrap, pretty much wraps us up for this week. Uh, you can track me, Paul Spain, down uh, online. I'm on all of the above uh, mentioned uh, social networks. And uh, for NZ Tech Podcast, we're at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we're also at those uh, those social networks too, so uh, be sure to check us out. And uh, and you can also, via our um, our 
Global Voice Media website found about our other uh, our other podcasts. So uh, hey, thanks for listening, and everyone. We'll catch you next week. See ya. See ya.